It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author. And not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. <clears throat> Excuse me. Last week, I had spoken about what do you do? How do you know you're in love? How do you maintain it? How do you, you know, what do you do to treat someone or keep someone there? And by the way, uh, despite what uh, all the Cosmo posts and all of the posts that will come up on the Internet say, how to make someone fall in love with you, unless they want to fall in love, it's not going to happen. Okay? <laughs> Period. But what I wanted to talk about today is the issue of, loss and suffering a sexual loss, okay? Because that's a really big area for many people. And the thing that I think, and and it never gets spoken about, rarely, ever, if someone is going to see a physician, and I'm reminded of a gentleman who, when I was first doing my seminars, I knew him from my gym. He at the time, I think he was 62, and his first wife had died of cancer. And one of the things that happens when you suffer that kind of a loss is there's also the loss of the relationship of that person as your partner, and you then become the caregiver. And, excuse me, we were speaking on the things that, you know, touch and the things that, you know, I was explaining to him of when you touch, you don't just touch it, you know, just keep your finger in one place. You actually, you need to, to keep the touch sensation fresh, you need to create a, like a motion or something either with a swirl, which is why I called that one technique the swirl, or you change the pressure. Because otherwise, it's like you're wearing a belt. You know, when you first put the belt on, you go, it goes, okay, belt's on. But after a couple of minutes or so, the nurse go like this, oh, we don't have to make a point of, you know, letting them know that the belt's on. They already know. So when I was explaining to him about the how to change touch and incorporate different types of touch and, you know, the the differences between areas that have hair and areas that don't, which is why I find it so amazing that people keep removing all of their pubic hair. Your hair, the end of your hair follicles, have some of the most sensitive nerve endings in them, and 
playing with pubic hair can be something that is highly stimulating for some people. And I'm listening to this one woman go, who was it? I think it might have been. It was a comedian. And she was talking about how these young women are permanently having all of their pubic hair lasered off. And she said, what happens if you want to change that? So, you know, that's a loss of, you know, a form of sexual function because those hairs are there to let you know that something is in close contact. Hello? Thank you. It's also a signaling, um, a visual signaling for many partners. Anyway, the, the gentleman who I was telling about the, the touching, he said, you know, I wish I had known this with my first wife. She would have loved this. He said, I didn't know. So, you know, when we talk about a sexual loss, it can be that you never even found out that you were, you know, uh, no one told you or there wasn't anything, you know, to, uh, there wasn't anyone who gave you information. And that's something that when I speak on these subjects and I speak with physicians about it, Physicians get no information about sexuality, typically. Or if they do, it's very abbreviated, and they might get, you know, four or five hours in four years of med school, but the majority of them, it's optional. So they don't, if it isn't on the test, and I say this when I teach my class at UCLA, are they teaching to the test? And I said, is the only thing that's being done in these lectures is they're teaching to the test, meaning the test at the end for the med students? And they all sort of just nod their heads. I said, well, you know, you guys have a set agenda. A lot of it ends up being very much tied to pharmaceuticals, so they end up being great prescribers. They know how to write a lot of prescriptions. Yet what they aren't looking at when they talk about sexual loss is they aren't looking at what could be the organic reason. So that's why we now have a whole uh, group of physicians referred to as functional medicine doctors. And what they look at is instead of looking at, oh, <clears throat> my goodness me, look at that, you have a rash on your testicles. They don't look at the fact that that could be a chronic condition caused by inflammation within your own system. They just give you a topical to put on top of it to either stop the itching or mask the, you know, the, the symptom. And I'm reminded of a, uh, an old boyfriend who he had, um, in essence, what would be athlete's foot, except it was uh, around his scrotum and on the inside of his thighs. And to say that it was... you know, horrendous was an understatement. And he wasn't saying anything to any doctor. I mean, I was aware of it because I found that the one thing that helped it was the spray that was used for uh, athlete's foot. No kidding. But interestingly enough, it was me having a conversation with the wife of the couple we were staying at, which happened to be in a foreign country, and I happened to mention, I said, this is like really bad. She goes, oh my God, so-and-so gets that all the time. This is the solution. In one conversation, there was the solution. But he would not go to the physician and he would not 
talk about it. You know, he never even talked about it with the other guys. So, and, and to say that that had an impact on being intimate and being sexual is an understatement. Anyway, so when you suffer a sexual loss, it, you know, it, it's not unlike other losses in your life. You know, whether you've lost a long-term friendship or a family member or someone has died or the job, you go through all those phases of grief and grieving, and understandably. So I want people to know that when they go through this, it's perfectly okay to have the reactions that they do. Because for many people, their sexual function changes over their lifespan. And part of it could be because of a chronic issue, possibly. Part of it, which may invariably ends up being as a result of something you are putting on your body that is around your body, or you are in, or, or the food that you're eating. And when I mention to people that your body, any time, you know, people are saying, well, my erections aren't as you know, firm as they used to be. Well, any time you are doing anything that increases blood flow, aerobically, walking, uh, doing any type of exercise, you are also going to be improving sexual function and erections. Now, if it is a result of a, again, now there's diabetes, you know, there's the two different types. One can be very much diet controlled and the other is not. But many times people just, I mean, if you see something, as I say, if you see some food being advertised on TV, chances are you shouldn't buy it <laughs> because it's all filled with preservatives or it is packaged in such a way that the food nutrition is not there or <clears throat> it has been highly processed, has, may contain high fructose corn syrup. So the more that you are aware of these things, the fewer sexual losses you're likely to experience. Another loss that people have is when they don't have a partner, right? And many times this is what happens as women get older, they, unless they have been partnered with you know, someone for an extended period of time, many times older women, <clears throat> they don't really have a very big you know, pool of men to choose from because the men are often choosing women who are younger. And I remember one woman saying to me, I don't want to be a nurse and I don't want to be a purse because she had been very wise with, you know, her business and everything and was able to completely take care of herself, but she absolutely did not want to have to do that with a, you know, another partner. And when, but, the, but most people do want to have the intimacy of a partnership, particularly as they get older. So when I look at the, you know, suffering a sexual loss, many times there'll be, t you know, and here's the thing, it can be sudden, as, you know, in the case of some things where you have an accident and you have an injury, you know, pelvically, or you have an accident and then if you were single, you have had surgery, so... Many times people will not want to have 
a partner see their scars or if someone had a mastectomy. And I know people who won't, or I know of people who literally would not even accept, you know, going out for coffee in the event that coffee could eventually lead to something more and lead to them having to have the partner see their body. That is how damaged they felt as a result of surgeries. The other thing that can have people suffer a sexual loss is if they have a sexually transmitted infection. Now, for many people, if they have herpes, they can have it be under control by taking, you know, a... Uh, prophylactic prescription. We didn't have our little note here to tell me I'm going off. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. It's Big girls don't cry, right? According to a recent Wall Street Journal article by Dennis Nishi, there's a stigma attached to turning on the waterworks at the office. 61% of men who reported crying at work cited personal reasons, an illness in the family, the death of a pet is the catalyst. While 58% of women said it was something that happened at work, being unfairly blamed or criticized, men are like mascara. They run at the first sign of hubba-boo. That's another word for crying. What's the word for the fear of intense emotion? Zellophobia. Women may have a better excuse for crying than men, as females have higher levels of prolactin, which encourages the production of tears, making it easier to be known as a lacrimist or someone who cries at the drop of a hat. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. According to Fitness Magazine, the majority of us are getting enough protein. Most nutritionists agree that active women need about half a gram per pound a day, or approximately 65 grams for a 130-pound woman. The USDA reports that most of us, even vegetarians, are eating 69 grams of protein daily, so we are good. If you are as active as recommended and exercise for more than an hour, five or more days a week, you should increase your protein intake to 0.75 grams per pound. Eating protein within 30 to 45 minutes after you work out rebuilds and repairs the micro tears in muscle tissue that occurs when you exercise. Taking in protein right after you work out will make you feel less sore the next day and increases your lean muscle mass. I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. <clears throat> Had a little bit of a technical oops just coming out of that last segment. But what I'd been talking about is that 
you know, when someone, if, you know, if there's a, a sexually transmitted infection or an injury, sometimes people don't know when to disclose. They don't know when to tell. And I am reminded of the work that we do, that our panel does, with the Road to Recovery Coalition to Support America's Heroes. And, you know, Dr. Linda Mona, who is a, a Ph.D. at the VA here in Long Beach in California, just addresses the issue of when do you disclose if you're, you know, going into a relationship that you have a disability. And that disability can be unseen. It can be invisible. It could be PTS, post-traumatic stress. It could be that, you know, there was a, uh, you have a traumatic brain injury as a result of a car accident that's not visible, but that can cause a sexual loss in your life because you're not comfortable being around other people. And what I want, and when I hear my intro saying, you know, those things that you've heard about or the things that people are talking about, I will tell you this is one conversation people typically will not talk about, but I will tell you, when we look at the loss, the se- you know, suffer a sexual loss as a result of chronic conditions, and it's like staggering what percentage of Americans have a chronic issue, whether it's arthritis, whether it is <clears throat> uh, diabetes, particularly dietary-linked diabetes, if it is uh, uh, a hip problem, if it's a mobility problem, if it's a vision problem, if it is something in, you know, their stomach, if they got, you know, there's a, so many things, cardiac, nerves, uh, digestion. And then the other thing that adds to it for an additional sexual loss are the pharmaceutical medications that people get given. So, again, you know, I'm talking about you can lose your connection to intimacy and sexual function because of a number of reasons. And sometimes it's an immediate thing as a result of an accident or a pharmaceutical or a, you know, uh, something, you had a surgery. <clears throat> Uh, for men, if they had a prostatectomy, and the nerves on the lateral side of the prostate are what are responsible for a man being able to have an erection. Now, they do say, and you know, they tout themselves highly on this one, that they, have, they do nerve-sparing surgery. But let's be completely candid. There is invariably going to be a loss of percentage of function because these nerves have been really disturbed. Uh, and then if they end up having radiation, it fries them. So when I look at something that might be ongoing throughout your life, that you had a, you know, you already had something from when you were younger. You may have had an injury. <clears throat> you may have been born with something that's sort of been lifelong. And so that was how you entered into the world of relationships and sexuality. For someone who it happens, you know, like immediately, there is the real grieving process because who they knew they were and thought they were as a sexual being 
has completely changed. Now, uh, you know, and chances are they are going to go through the classic phases if it is, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, if it is an immediate bodily impact, the, uh, the you know, periods of grief, the denial, anger, negotiating, and then finally acceptance. Now, the other thing that happens for once people have moved through these, they then start becoming very creative. And I know one woman, <coughs> excuse me, who had always had a bad back, and one of the best things she found so that she didn't have to bend is she found a sex sling chair from Sports Sheets, very easy to put up, isn't something that has to hang there like a hook out of the ceiling, but it allowed her to be in the chair and sit in the chair, and her partner could come between her legs. And this was something that she said, I don't want to lose my, you know, I don't want to lose that connection to my partner. And <clears throat> that was how she solved it. But it was something that if she hadn't found this particular uh, product, this particular, you know, item, she wouldn't have been able to have enjoyable sex. It would, that would have been ruled out. Now, here's something that I want people also to be really aware of. Your body is like a car, right? So when you keep your body, I mean, one of the reasons why guys always talk about, you know, when I was in college, you know, I could hammer nails with my erections is because probably they were in really good aerobic shape when they were in college. And they didn't have a lot of the stress of a mortgage and a job and kids and all these bills and all, everything else. So they were able to be very much focused on themselves and their bodies and what they were doing. But the more that they became, as they became more sedentary and that they weren't working out as much, there drops off that increased blood circulation. And so anything you are doing that can keep your body functioning better, whether it's detoxing, and one of the best things you can do for detoxing and making it something that, you know, and here's the other thing. If someone is very heavy, that is also uh, a sexual loss for them. You know, when someone in the marriage gains a lot of weight for whatever, or in a relationship. Listen, I know men who have gained tremendous amounts of weight, and they were, they were stud. And, like, if you opened up, you know, a sexuality dictionary and looking for the definition of stud, that would be these guys. But what happened is they had a, a child that had a chronic condition. Their entire marriage changed and shifted at that moment. And he is and would not go and be unfaithful to his wife. And the one way that has him become less desirable to women because he's incredibly successful, really good-looking guy, was to gain a massive amount of weight. And the thing that's so sad about that is that you know, there really isn't much of a relationship that he has now with his wife. And that's been for 18 years. So, you know, the whole thing also, when you are wanting to 
lose weight, or detox, one of the first things you need to do is to get rid of the things that are toxic in the first place in your diet or in your environment. Now, and I was reading this article from a gentleman by the name of Ty Bollinger and talking about detoxification as a way of life. And literally, he makes the comment that chronic toxic exposure is also a leading cause of obesity. So chronic toxic exposure to the things in the environment, to electronic um, EMS, electronic magnetic frequencies, to um, uh, soft and heavy metals, to, I mean, there's a whole list of things. I'm going to go over, but we're coming up to our next break in a moment. But the thing about this, the, the chronic exposure to these things being uh, a um, something that you need to get out of your system is because your system, they, they refer to these things as obesogens. So think obesity and then gens. So obesogens basically mean that they increase your propensity to be obese. And what happens is your body, particularly when you're eating uh, toxic food or food that is um, highly manufactured, honestly, your body doesn't recognize it as food. So there's a reason why I tell people, for God's sake, don't eat GMO food if you, don't, if you can get away with it. Buy organic. GMO food, literally, your body, it's like frankenfood. Your body doesn't recognize it as food. To give you an example, when they have used, I'm going to use genetically modified corn here. When they take genetically modified corn and they put it as food for hungry birds versus a normal non-GMO corn, the GMO corn looks beautiful, but the other corn may not you know, be you know, such a beauty queen. The birds will not touch the GMO food. They know it's crap. And, and the other thing that happens is if you are eating meat that is being fed stuff that has GMO components in it, that what do you think you're going to get? You're going to get it in a concentrated titer in the tissue that you're eating. So um, when I come back, I'm going to go over some things that you can do to help get your body back in, in you know, shape so that you don't end up suffering a sexual loss, either from loss of function or either from uh, libido gone or from you have no sensation, genital anesthesia, which happens with some medications, or you become anorgasmic. You cannot orgasm. And these are things that are coming forward in a tidal wave. And another thing that suffer, happens with, you know, that will cause a sexual loss is if you're having issues trying to get pregnant. And there are thousands upon thousands of couples in that position. So we're coming up to the next break here in about seven seconds. So stay with me, and when I come back, I'm going to have solutions for you. This 
is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. that besides home and work, Americans spend more time at the mall than anywhere else? There are 50,000 shopping malls in the United States alone. The Mall of America, located between Minneapolis and St. Paul, is the largest in the world with more than 500 stores. What's a word for a person who is a compulsive shopper? An oniomaniac. Studies have shown that women will buy more if they hear their heels clicking on the floor. So designers often use hard flooring in hallways. Of course, the stores want customers to spend all their coopity coop. That's another word for money. Well, I gotta run. There's only one more shopping day until tomorrow. My husband said if I don't quit shopping so much, he would leave me. Lord, I'm gonna miss that man. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Uh, before the break, I had said that I would come back in this segment and give you some solutions. So one of the first things you need to do is look at, is it something that is you are doing to your body or is it something that, you know, is it that um, you are drinking too much, you're taking prescription medications, you're smoking, you are eating foods that contain high fructose corn syrup and other, you know, highly processed foods. Those are the, those are the foods that contain the, um, a lot of the, what they, you know, the, the obesogens. And this comes from a... 2012 study published in the journal Environmental Health Perspectives that explains that obesogens are a major contributor to the American obesity epidemic, which more often than not is erroneously blamed on people eating too much 
rather than walking around with polluted, poorly functioning bodies. And the thing that you need to know is that the products that are creating this type of obesity have a, what they do is that they are what they call um, lipid soluble. So when they talk about the things that are the toxic environment things that you're dealing with, the endocrine disrupting chemicals, the pesticides, the soft and heavy metals, fluoride, food additives, preservatives, and growth hormones. That's the thing they inject, inject into animals. Um, did you know that I think it's like 75% of all antibiotics in this country are used on um, agricultural animals? Isn't that staggering? No wonder we have people who cannot. We have an antibiotic-resistant uh, crisis for health. So here are the things, your solutions and options. First, you need to know, um, let's say you're having a sexual loss because it's, someone is perimenopausal or they had a very difficult delivery and sex is just downright painful. Well, what's the loss here is the loss of the pleasure and the enjoyment. And invariably, if your body thinks it's going to hurt, your body will do whatever it can to not, you know, put itself into that position. There are um, options on that. Lubrication is but one solution if, you, if it's, you know, if it's painful uh, intercourse. Another thing is PRP, platelet-rich plasmapheresis, or the other thing they refer to it as is uh, it is used uh, a similar way in facelifts. So it's basically a harvesting of your own stem cells that then can be injected into the vaginal vault, and that way it increases the density of the tissue, makes orgasmic response better because all the tissues in there, including the PC, the pubic coccygis, are in better shape. And the other thing is that you have better bladder control, but it also thickens that tissue. So it isn't the, the thin tissue um, uh, hitting the nerves during intercourse. So the, question, the first question you ask yourself is, is this something I can change myself? Is there a lifestyle change I can make? Are there, um, am I, you know, sitting at home at night and then having, you know, a couple of, you know, extra cookies or a couple of something else. And, you know, it, it isn't that it's going to be right away that the impact will be felt. It will be felt in about a year. And that's when you'll start to see, oh, wow, this is, and, it, you know, I use an example that Darren Hardy talks about, that one person ate just 150 fewer calories a day, 150 calories, that's it. And it really didn't show up, for, and the one ate 150 more, until about two years down the road where the cumulative effect was the one guy gained 30 pounds, the other guy lost 30 pounds, so there was now a 60-pound difference in their weight in two years, and the other person didn't do anything. He started, you know, sort of just stayed the same, but, you know, was angry about his life and wasn't making any changes. So... If you know that it's a lifestyle change, get the onto the internet and find some good resources for you. Okay? Whether and even if that means 
you walk up and down a flight of stairs three or four times a day. Do something because the more that you are putting your body in motion, the more your body's going to respond. Detoxing is something that requires you getting yourself out of the, those environments. And so another thing that, that will happen with this is that with these obesogens, and this is, I'm going to tell you what some of them are here. And they are fat-soluble. They're lipid-soluble. They're not water-soluble. So, and so by far the majority of the toxins that are, that are talked about in the Advances in Nutrition and International Review Journal, it explains that the majority are lipid-soluble, which means they go into fat, okay? So that means that's also, um, it's a, a lot of the, the things with this are the uh, pharmaceutical drugs. But the problem is this then allows them to go into the cell membrane, which is a lipid membrane, and then go into the cell and from there continue to create more damage. So the one way that you can get rid of these things, first off, don't expose yourself to it. So it would be things like um, what they call uh, endocrine-disrupting chemicals, uh, phthalates and plastic, the PCBs, polychlorinated biphenols um, in electronic devices, fluorescent light bulbs, bisphenol A in food can linings, and synthetic steroids in conventional meat products and estrogenic compounds in soy-based foods. So I won't eat soy. I used to, but I won't eat soy and I won't eat corn because they are now mainly GMO. And I also will no longer shop at Whole Foods because the CEO of Whole Foods sold out their company because he supported the GMO manufacturing groups by going against the New Hampshire, which would have been, you know, groundbreaking, the New Hampshire, I can't believe it was New Hampshire, New Hampshire uh, food labeling law. And he went against them. And so as a result, I will no longer shop at Whole Foods and also realizing that them making the comment that they don't carry GMO food, yes, they do. They absolutely do. And soy is a classic example. So I won't eat, you know, those products, pesticides, staying away from pesticides, insecticides, and herbicides. Now, you know, it's, this is why if you are t- trying to eat clean, that's why you try to do organic, you know, or chemical-free products, you know, whatever is possible. Because here's the other thing. They may say, uh, as an example, uh, one food, uh, um, an impactful uh, food product that most people know to avoid as a result of something that it's a neurotoxin uh, is the product that often ends up being in um, Chinese food. So they might say that, and I'm drawing a blank on it right now, but it'll come back in a sec. But then what they'll do is they'll say, oh, we, you know, it doesn't contain um, uh, monosodium glutamate, MSG. But what they'll have is a product that is identical to MSG, but it isn't named MSG. That's how they get around it. Now, the other thing, so, and here's the thing with, if you're going to use something, I mean, think about this. Pesticides, insecticides, and herbicides are designed to destroy life. So why do you think they would act any differently when they get into your body? 
okay? Now, soft and heavy metals, this can be anything, you know, that they're so pervasive, you know, lead, aluminum, mercury, cadmium, arsenic. And, and here's the thing. They may not show immediate an effect because of their gradual accumulation. But in other sources of, you know, obviously pollution, nonstick cookware, watch out for cosmetics, vaccines, obviously, dental amalgam fillings, cigarette smoke, and conventional house cleaning products and contaminated food products. And the main thing for the contaminated food products are those that contain the high fructose corn syrup are major mercury offenders, as is brown rice and its various derivatives, which are grown in tainted soil. I mean, it's tough to try and find clean food these days, but I want to give you something that will help your body feel better so if you are in a relationship or you want to be in a relationship and you want to be able to, you know, be sexual and be intimate and feel good, these are the things you've got to get out of your life. Fluoride, if possible, it's a brain and bone damaging poison, difficult to get out. I mean, probably the only thing that will really do it is a reverse osmosis bone char with alumina, activated alumina, and or a deionization uh, filtration technology because it is so pervasive. Any of the systems that tell you that they're taking it out, unless they are one of the very, very expensive with a um, filtration system in them, you know, the $2,000 one that sits on your countertop is not going to do it. You're, you're looking at something that's going to be about $4,500 or more. So that's something, and, you know, think about it if it's in your bath water, same thing. Now, the food additives, these are things that, <laughs> that's the comment, if it's advertised on TV, you probably shouldn't eat it. So whether it is sodium benzate, monosodium glutamate, refined sugars, artificial sugars, synthetic food colorings, and other synthetic non-foods, they contribute, first off, to early aging and degenerative disease, but the big thing that happens is they also create inflammation. And that's one of the biggies that is associated with almost every chronic condition. Inflammation. Because whatever has been put through your system and it's in the fat, it's staying there. It's still not coming through. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Hey there, it's Christine Gallagher from She's Got Clients.com. I'm really excited to share with you the first annual Get Clients Online giveaway. I have gathered a spectacular group of contributors who are providing you with amazing gifts that will help you get cash flow in clients in less time 
online. So I've teamed up with more than 50 other business industry leaders to bring you templates, checklists, and other valuable goodies to grow and scale a sustainable business that brings you more income with less effort. So all you need to do is head over to getclientsonlinegiveaway.com, put your name and email address in, and you'll get instant access to more than 50 free business building tools, templates, products, and services, including Facebook funnel templates, LinkedIn cheat sheets, sales scripts, and so much more. That's getclientsonlinegiveaway.com. Head over there and enjoy your free gifts. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where every spring we seem to get pummeled with hailstorms. What's another name for a thunderstorm? A cockeyed bob. The Guinness Book of World Records states the largest known hailstone in U.S. history was over seven inches in diameter. That's almost the size of a soccer ball. The famous hailstone was found in central Nebraska in June 2003. But if we think the hail's bad here in Texas, I guess it's better than living in parts of Africa, where they average 130 days of hailstorms each year. Other hail-prone areas include India, Russia, China, and Italy. The Aussies call hailstones drift ice, glazed frost, pancake ice, and frost flowers. I wonder how they measured hail before the invention of the golf ball. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're having a few little... Um tech issues here, so I'm not getting my notices, <laughs> oh, so I just keep chatting along, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I hear the uh, tunes coming in. Anyways, before we, um, let, let me just finish with the things that, to get out of your life, to get your body back in better shape, okay? Get rid of the endocrine-disrupting ke- um, chemicals, pesticides, soft and heavy metals, fluoride, food additives, preservatives and growth hormones, electronic smog. And here's something that many people don't really think about. But the, you know, your cell phones, Wi-Fi, smart meters, cell towers, microwave ovens, laptops, they emit a constant stream of radiation into the environment around you. And this can cause damage at the cellular level and even, you know, um, alter the genetic material of your cells, which is why I tell people, for heaven's sakes, do not fall asleep in front of the TV. Just don't do it. Um, and also, <laughs> don't get, get the TV out of your room if it's in your bedroom. Eek, no. Finally, the last big offender are pharmaceutical drugs, and they are among the worst toxic offenders in the modern world. And they have a very strong lipophilic, meaning fat-loving tendency to build up in fat and neurological tissue. It makes sense it would go into neurological tissue. You know what your brain's mainly made up of? Fat. And, you know, there's lots of nerves there, but, you know, the support tissue is 
fat. And you've got fat, and the myelin sheath on every nerve. So, and in some pharmaceuticals have a really long half-life, meaning they don't break down quickly. And so they may take months or even years to disappear from the body. And from a sexual loss standpoint, one of the biggest offenders are Ritalin and Adderall and then the anti-anxiety, the antidepressant, and those are known to base and um, OCB, oral, uh, OBC, oral birth control, to wipe out libido, particularly the anti-anxiety, pardon me, the antidepressant and the um, uh, anti-anxiety. Loss of libido, genital anesthesia, and um, having, you know, uh, inability to orgasm. Now, I am not saying that one when there is a need for these medications, you should not be on them. You should be on them. You know, you go and speak to a really responsible, functional physician. Functional physicians don't just look at the fact that you have a, you know, uh, a rash somewhere. They look at your entire body and what else is going on in your body. So they spend more time with you. Now, going back to the solutions, again, Look to get yourself in a position that change your lifestyle. Hey, listen, if you've got deadbeat friends, change your friends. And the other thing you can do is you can be someone, let's say it's a chronic condition that just you know, started to exhibit itself. Look and see if there's a way that you can do something that will reverse the inflammation in your body, and typically that's getting rid of sugar in whatever manner or form, and you know the, the stress conditions for people. Let's say that if you have a chronic condition, how do you keep yourself from having sexual loss if you have a partner? Plan ahead. Many, and let's be honest, the largest sexual organ that you have is between your ears. So... And that's one of the reasons why vacay sex and staycay sex are so much fun because you know you're likely going to be doing something. And you don't have your day-to-day things that you're having to deal with, so you can focus and you can have your attention on one another. People, let's say if someone has cerebral palsy or has, you know, something where they can't really, you know, they don't have a lot of control over bodily motions. One of the first things people do when, if this is the case, they make sure that, you know, they empty their bladder and they have a bowel movement so that there isn't, you know, a loss of control in that area. And then they completely plan ahead if they have an antispasmodic that they take. They would take that just prior. And so it's a... It's a much, they think ahead. They don't look at it as, uh, it, it, you know, the spontaneous thing. Because <laughs> I know that spontaneous sex isn't spontaneous. It's planned. It's all planned. Now, if you are dealing with an uh, issue with mobility, find something that can keep you in positions. There are some pillows called liberator shapes. And they are literally wedges. And a gentleman who uh, worked for me, uh, he was much larger than his wife. And his favorite position was 
one sort of on the side of the bed, but she was so much littler. And but by giving them, I had been you know sent some samples of them. By giving them these pillows, they're they're very firm foam pillows that had a removable cover on them. They could stay in position, and it was comfortable for her and much more enjoyable for him because the, their sex life was very important for them. And for people who have a form of disability, they often get downright creative. They know exactly, you know, uh, the positions they would like to be in. And <clears throat> in the same way, people who are in uh, a, a BDSM, bondage dominance, sadomasochism world or a kink world, they negotiate what they will be doing. So if you, you know, suffer a sexual loss because someone doesn't understand your kink world, go on to, you know, Fet Life and see if there's someone who's in your, in your area that would, you know, be enjoyable for you. Because your interests change doesn't mean you have to lose what your, you know, what you recognize as being erotic for you. People's erotic tastes change throughout their lives. They, I mean, let's be honest, they just simply do. You don't have to remain, and let's say you're single, okay? And for many older women, you know, they are not able to find a partner. Well, be sexual with yourself. There's more things that you can do with you to keep you sexually aware, then you don't need to have a partner to do that. What you can also do, um, I have some women who have said they started writing erotica because they wanted to, again, your brain's your most powerful erotic tool. Keep it sharp. And what these women did, and it surprised them <laughs> what came out of them because it wasn't what they initially thought they would be writing about. And for some of them, it ended up being that they really discovered a part of themselves that they didn't even know. Same way that many times for couples, if they are, you know, their sex life is dwindling and they decide, okay, let's open up our relationship, let's bring another person in or other couples in, when people go to swinging clubs, what they often are not aware of is it's the woman who does the choosing. And for many women, they discover something about their own sexuality that becomes, can become quite threatening to their partner. So before you wish for something, be sure you know what you're getting into. Getting your body in shape. Knowing what the actual, you know, are you responsible for the sexual loss? Have you, you know, gained a tremendous amount of weight and don't feel good about yourself? Have you been by behavior um, unpleasant to your partner and they're not interested in connecting with you there? They may stay because of kids, but they're not staying with you per se. Is it because you have, you know, uh, the sensation loss, or because it's painful. There's other things. I mean, I use Dr. Bernie Zilbergel's comment all the time that the people that he knows as great lovers, for many of them, intercourse is not part of what they do. They do other things. So, and if there's an accident, 
There are other things that can be done if it's a pelvic floor accident or if it's a nerve thing. Um, for the soldiers who have had blast injuries, there may be other things that then have to be brought into play. And, but it's about being honest about what you're dealing with because people are sexual their entire lives. They really are. That's just who we are. We're born of sexuality, and I want people to know that even if they have felt that there's a loss or things have changed, there are ways to address this. And if it's a health issue, address the health issue. If it's something where you are worried about a scar or what your body looks like when you take your clothes off, you know, if a person is going to be that they don't want to be with you because of that, chances are you don't want to share your body with them, right? That's, you know, that's common sense. And when I talk to uh, people who have been dealing with, um, I got the, into this um, issue or I have a colostomy, there are ways that one can wear things that then that's just, that's just part of what your body is at this point, okay? So, but, but I want people to know you do have other options. You, you don't have to just have it be that, okay, it's over for me. Well, you can if you want to, but for most people, that's not really what they want. And if you have been out of a relationship and you're going into one, make a list of the things that you would like to discuss with a new partner when these subjects come up. If one of you has an STI, talk about it. There's nothing that is more powerful in a relationship than building trust and communication. Honestly, the respect is one of the most important behaviors that keeps relationships connected. So I trust this has been helpful for you. Have an awesome week, and I will be back next week. Bye for now. for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 